Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. On this week's episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast, Chilean filmmaker Sebastián Lelio, a first reaction review of Captain Marvel with Mike Sargent, and Telemundo's Un Nuevo Día personality, Stephanie Jimenez, La Chiqui Baby. Welcome to episode 107 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, a U.S. Latino show where I interview the people and discuss the moments that are shaping our American and Latino pop culture. I am your host, Jack Rico, and if this is your first time listening, thanks for discovering us. All right, guys, today we have three great guests, and uh, but before we talk about the guests, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the podcast. I wanted to thank everybody who's been reaching out, uh, engaging with the podcast. Seems to be that people are listening people are sharing it and people are engaging uh with us sending out your tweets thank you so much you know i gotta tell you your uh engagement really matters it it it, uh it 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 drives motivation uh it uh enforces commitment uh it really helps i mean just sending out a tweet sending hey i like the podcast um and uh sending a little bit of love really makes a difference because um, you have so many things going on and sometimes you think that people aren't listening and then all of a sudden they are and you kind of just need to know that and man, it makes a hell of a difference. So thank you every single person that's been reaching out and talking about the podcast and how much they like it. So thank you to you for listening. Uh, all right, talking about the guests, uh, I got Sebastian Lelio. If you don't know who he is, he did a movie called The Fantastic Woman or A Fantastic Woman that won the Oscar for Chile. Uh, and he was the director of it. He also did a movie called Gloria with Paulina Garcia. It's considered one of the best movies uh, coming out of Chile. And he just remade it again with Gloria Bell with Julianne Moore. The name of the movie is Gloria Bell. And I interviewed him uh, here in New York City. Actually, person to person, sat right in front of him. And we talked about the art of remaking your own film. Because he essentially is remaking the English language version of the Spanish language Gloria film that he did back in 2013. So why did he want to do this? We had a deep conversation about uh, the origins of taking a risk when anybody and everybody and anybody said, it's not going to work out, man. And so far, the reviews have been glowing for the film. It might actually be just as good in terms of quality as the original one. And I want you to hear him talk about it because for us, um, when someone tells us no, what makes us continue to go through it when we know that people are already against it? Well, 
it's those moments that he's going to be talking about in our podcast today. Then uh, Captain Marvel's coming out this Friday. Hopefully you guys are going to go see it. I sat down with Mike Sargent for our first reactions of the film while we're inside the theater. You're going to want to hear Mike's take on it. You're going to want to hear my take on it. And then finally, we're going to be talking to Stephanie Hemanitis. Um, her, she is also known as Cheeky Baby. I met her in Los Angeles, uh, and I thought she was a wonderful person, wonderful talent. And we did this great interview about how she got into the business, how you should also get into the entertainment journalist business uh, in Spanish language or in English. Um, and then right after, a few days later, she got a call and it was announced that she was going to be the new personality over at Telemundo's Un Nuevo Dia, which is a huge deal for the Hispanic market and uh, congratulations to her. She didn't even know when we were interviewing uh, for that position. She had no idea, which is the reason we didn't talk about it here. Nevertheless, great conversation, great interview, and thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on board. With that said, empezamos con Sebastián Lelio. Love is in the air. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. Okay. Okay. Creo que estamos aquí. One, two, one, two. Perfecto. Sí. Okay. Um, Sebastián Lelio, welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. So, first of all, I wanted to uh, tell you a little bit of a story. Okay. I spoke to Juan José Campanella ah. about... Man, I want to say like almost 10 years ago. <laughs> um, and when I asked him why he didn't remake Secreto de Sus Ojos mm. in English, like it was with Julia Roberts, mm. he said, I didn't need to. Mm. It's perfect as it is. Mm. So when I saw you remake your own film, mm -hmm. obviously I was aghast. I was like, what's wrong with Sebastian? Like, why would he do this? <laughs> Most directors love the way it was. They never want to revisit the past. Mm. The past is the past. I have moved forward. I have evolved with my life. Mm. I have a different visions, different movies, different stories I want to tell. Mm. That's what most directors tell you. Mm. And I'm here trying to scratch my head in figuring out why you decided to be the one guy that didn't follow that path. Mm. Why did you remake Gloria? Well, because of my admiration for Julian Moore, first of all. Uh, secondly, the way in which the film was born, the remake, was so organic mm -hmm. and natural that I think it tells the place uh, where it comes from, you know? Because um, I wasn't interested in remaking my own film. Uh, I was about to shoot A Fantastic Woman and then to go and shoot Disobedience. So I was quite busy with two films that I was going to shoot back to back. Mm -hmm. um, but then Julianne and, and I, we share a manager. And uh, maybe something got lost in translation, but I was informed or, or told that Julianne Moore had seen Gloria, had loved it, was going to go to Paris. I was living in Berlin back then and wanted to meet with me, but wasn't interested in doing a remake. So I was like, that makes sense, and I'm very flattered, so off I went to Paris <laughs> to, to meet her, and uh, we had this wonderful conversation, and she generously spoke about uh, Gloria, the story, the character, with, with a deep understanding, and I was very touched by that. And towards the end of the meeting, I said, uh, thank you so much, I'm honored to have met you. Um, I've always admired you, and uh, I totally get it if you don't want to, like, revisit the story or do a remake 
And she said, no, 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 what, what, are you, what are you saying? No, I would only do it if you directed it. And then I said, or I channeled these words, because I don't know if I said them, <laughs> but I heard myself saying them, uh, and I would only do it if you're in it. And, I, and it was so genuine, you know? And then we hugged, and, um, and that was it. That's how the project was born. Uh, and Did you have any reservations? Oh, a of lot. Huh. A lot. I mean, of course, because of what you just said. Who wants to remake his own film? Why? You know? So I met m all my most radical cinephile friends in Berlin, <laughs> uh, trying for them to tell me, don't do it. And, 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 and I remember my friend Paz, who is a programmer in Berlinale. Um, I met her and I said, listen, Julian Moore um, is interested in, 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 in that we create a new version of Gloria. Um, and she was like, wow, do you love Julian Moore? And I was like, I adore her. I think she's of one of the greatest living actresses period right and, and and she was like that's so great to have the chance to revisit your own materials it's almost like uh doing a gold verb variation from johann sebastian Bach. <laughs> and i was like what are you saying <laughs> and, and then i said to her but who does his own remake and she said exactly so you were going against the grain well i like are you that, a rebel are I, you uh, i like that factor of uh, uh you know if it worked it was going to be, in a certain way, a shock to the establishment. Right. And that was very exciting. And the fact that it was dangerous, because it was so, there were so many traps that we, have, we could have uh, fallen into. Absolutely. That, uh, that made it exciting. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I would say a, a really interesting artistic challenge. Because then, then who says, that we don't have the right to revisit our own materials and to resignify them and to make them resonate again. You know, that's kind of like a tacit, strange, moral rule that I don't know who wrote mm -hmm. and in which book. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, it was an act of freedom and it was a risk and we took it consciously and, um, and we, are, we are very proud of with the results. Gus Van Sant remade Frame by Frame Psycho. Yes and people hated it mm -hmm. because they thought if you're going to do it almost exactly alike mm. um you might as well just go watch the original yeah because it's so much better yeah i saw so many similar images from the original gloria yeah that i said i want to know exactly if he felt that these similar scenes except with a different actress was going to get any public criticism for that and how you were going to handle the criticism if it backfired. Well, the thing is that whenever you put something in the public square, you have to be prepared for crucifixion. <laughs> you know what and I mean? Were you okay with crucifixion if yeah. it got there? I mean, it's not that I'm, I want it, but, um, it, you know, it's part of the game, you know, so... I could have been severely criticized for making a fantastic woman, and before before releasing it, I was ready to be, you know, like killed. Um, but it didn't turn out that way. Did you at any point decide that you were going to explore something differently that you never got to explore with Paulina in back in two thousand and twelve? I found that it was so exciting to give the archetype of Gloria, a second chance, a new life, you know, the possibility to be channeled by uh, another great actress, you know, because the first Gloria is a love letter to Paulina Garcia. 
And, and this second Gloria, it is in a certain way a love letter to Julian Moore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is something of uh, the attitude of, uh, of a music cover here, you know? So you have, you're a musician and you create a melody and you play it. And then, uh, I don't know, six years after that, you play it again, maybe with a new band in a different city. And that has a new energy because it's new people. Uh, but you're not deforming the original melody. You're honoring it. Mm-hmm. But you're somehow, because you have grown up, because life has done you've its work, you've evolved, and the people around you have evolved, and you're somewhere else as a person, as, an, as, an, an, as a filmmaker, that find, makes it, its way into the into the final piece, you know? Right. Um, so at some point I said, okay, I, I will try to change everything. And then I said, well, what's the point of that? You know, that, that's mm. not, I want to honor the story and what made the first story work, but I want to tell it again, almost like, um, like staging a play in a new city with a new theater company. <laughs> right. You know? So when I realized that that was the attitude, I felt, morally authorized to do it and no one was going to take take better care uh than me because i love the story and i've been living with it with it since almost 10 years now right well frank sinatra it, it happens in music it happens doesn't in happens music. in film of course i don't know why there is this resistance you know why i think there is a resistance against uh remakes because there are a lot of uh examples where um they have been made by different people for weird, strange reasons. <laughs> right. you know, like or money. Or money, or mainly money, okay? Mainly money. Mainly money. And not, not with a soul, not, 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 not with a heart, not, not really caring for, for, for what you're telling. And, and, and in this case, we, 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 were, we cared. And, uh, you know, I love this story and I was going to try to make it, um, well, alive and vibrant again. So I think at this point it begs the question, would you ever remake a fantastic one? <laughs> well, I think that for now <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with not remaking uh, my own stories uh, like uh, for the next years um, because, because, you know, this was a, an adventure, an experiment um, and, uh, and now, uh, now it's time to move on. Did you enjoy the process of I remaking did. your own film? I did. I did a lot. And what did you learn about yourself that you didn't learn back in 2012? Well, in a certain way, I found some, some new spaces of freedom, you know, because this attitude of saying, who says that you, you cannot do it? It, it, it might seem kind of like uh, not too important or superficial, but it's hiding a lot. I mean, behind that decision, there is a, there is a big movement towards freedom right you know what i mean and and um and i'm very happy that people are connecting with the film and i've watched it with an audience twice since it has been finished and what happens uh in in the theater is quite remarkable and people right. laugh connect they, they they cheer in the climax even the film hasn't finished and then they 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 sometimes applaud applaud so it's uh, or at the end in the final credits they are like following the rhythm clapping almost if it was like a concert <laughs> so uh, that's really wonderful and, and I'm so grateful and and happy that it turned out like that um, 
because in a certain way proves the point you know a, a, right. a story can be told again as long as it's well told and right. uh, and 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 uh if things are made uh, with with a soul and and with a well genuine intentions then uh then who says that is that is uh that 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 that, that you're impeached to to revisit your own materials and resignify them Do you have a problem with people saying no to you? Or do you like <laughs> proving people wrong? Oh, no, no. It's not about pre pre proving people wrong. It's about um, the excitement of uh, expanding the limits of what's possible. Is it, are you trying to find out the things you can and cannot do? Well, uh, I, I, I'm very excited to walk into the unknown. <laughs> Why? What attracts you to that? Well, it's like that new order. Is it new order? Unknown pleasures. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. I mean, you get to an, to to a new. I mean, I see films as almost like a like spaceships. You know, you 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 mm. you, you you make a film in order to to go somewhere else and to and to become someone someone new and to grow and to discover things uh, within yourself in the process. You mm -hmm. know, so when you finish a film. Of course, you are the same person, but you have evolved with the film. And after you have made a few films, your life is about when you were making a Fantastic Woman, <laughs> when you were making Disobedience, you know, when you were making the new version of Gloria, Gloria Bell, and 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 you can really um, relate that to wherever you were in terms of uh, your personal evolution. Mm -hmm. But then to answer your previous question, you know, what was different? Uh, in, in, in terms of uh, Gloria and Gloria Bell, I have to say that the game of the film is to turn a, a, a secondary character, a, a character that should be a secondary character in a standard film, the mother, the auntie, the, you know, the wife, um, and then the, the film would have gone probably with, with the husband, you know? But here it stays with Gloria and, and turns her by insisting in observing her and observing her over and over, all the time, from every possible angle, going through the entire emotional spectrum, mm. um, turn her into an absolute protagonist. So it's kind of like a, the absolute portrait of a woman. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you change the, the woman slash actress that is at the center of that observation. The dynamics change too. The DNA of, of, of the film changes not the story and not the mechanisms that made the story work, but the subject, the human being that you are observing, not only the character, but the, the artist that is giving the artistic battle mm -hmm. in front of your eyes uh, is, is, is someone new and is bringing a different backstory, a different mystery, um, a different energy. And that that's what Gloria and Gloria Bell are all about, that woman. How did you get into directing what sparked the interest for you to want to make films why weren't you anything else why film uh well intuition i guess because um i was growing up in chile during the, the you were born in Arge argentina I was born in Argentina. do you consider yourself argentine or chilean no chilean chilean yeah okay. but i love argentina and my 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 father family Is, uh, is is from Argen are from Argentina, mm -hmm. so um, so I, I love Argentina and I have a you know a close relationship with with, with, 
with them. But uh, but I'm I am Chilean. So when they said that Argentina won the Oscar, I was like, come on, guys! <laughs> you never like paid attention to me until now, and now you're claiming that the Oscar is Argentinian. Come on, that's not fair. Um, but um, when I was uh, a teenager, I, I always uh, wrote. You know, so, so you're a writer. I, I wrote. I, I've always by written. nature, yeah. Yes, so I wrote uh, short stories. Of course, poetry, because cause it's kind of like a cliche of being Chilean. It's like uh, you give your first kiss, you write a few poems. It's part of life. <laughs> right. Uh, but then I took it very seriously, and I thought I was going to maybe become a writer or a novelist. But then I was, as I was growing up, uh, I, I, I was interested in photography, and then um, maybe acting, and then uh, maybe, you know, visual arts. And I was like, kind of like interested in too many things, Uh, but in nothing um, completely. Right. Uh, and then, um, without being a cinephile, I, um, I thought that maybe cinema had the capacity to reunite everything, mm -hmm. you know, to, to have it all. Uh, and following that intuition, I went into film school, and then, uh, and then I fell in love with film. It was kind of like, this is it. If you had to summarize what your films say to the common person that's seeing Sebastian's films for the very first time, what would be the recurring thread that you're exploring in each one of your movies? It's hard to answer because I think... What are you trying to find? Well, I think one, one tends to be relatively blind to, to, to what you do, you know, like... Uh, so I'm always very cautious with these mm. statements, you know, because I'm not the one to overanalyze what I'm doing but by saying this I'm not saying that I'm naive and I, I'm not aware of the subjects I'm I'm a, I'm a working uh, around with um, on <laughs> tired but um, but you can you can connect the dots uh, when you look backwards right and now I've made uh, I think seven feature films And, uh, and if there is a constant, I have to say that, uh, among other things, I'm usually very attracted towards characters that are um, f resisting um, antagonistic forces right. that are impeaching them to become who they really are. And these characters... Um, and you want to know how they break through those walls? I want to see, I want to see them... Um, fight the challenge fi fi fighting those forces mm -hmm. because um, when you put that pressure upon them on them um, it's like squeezing a fruit you know you're, you really can see what they are made of is that is that something you are these your stories do you want to break through those forces yourself and you put yourself in these characters oh, to well, find out how listen, they get there now that you are framing it in this way i don't know maybe you're right i mean why did i put myself in the situation of remaking my own film right you know Maybe I wanted to see what I was made of, you know? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Thank you for that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but to be honest, I mean, I, I have learned. At the beginning, it was always uh, a very natural, intuitive way of uh, saying yes or no to a project. And now it's a very conscious one. I don't, uh, like, move if the project or the idea doesn't you know deeply 
touch me or 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 is deeply moving to me so emotion is 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 kind of like the the beacon uh to make a, a decision of uh, what to dedicate a couple of years of your life to so going back to to Gloria Bell there was um the emotion and the excitement of facing this uh, challenge um was strong enough and inspiring inspiring enough to say yes Sebastián Lelio Muchísimas gracias por la entrevista. Muchas gracias a ti. Un placer. <risa> Thank you. That was really interesting. When the world blows up, I hope I go down dancing. So what you're about to hear now is a segment I like to call first reaction. In other words, it's an immediate reaction to a film as the end credits are still rolling. The reason behind it is because I think a first reaction is the purest form of obtaining a judgment on something you just experienced. This type of format allows you to hear what our real thoughts and feelings are in the moment, not be influenced by outside voices a day later. If you're a long-time listener, you know I've done these before, but if you're new, here is our first reaction to Captain Marvel. Hey, it's Jack Rico. I'm here at the Lincoln Square Cinemas, and I'm right next to Mike Sargent while everybody's leaving the first press screening in New York City of Captain Marvel. Um, Mike, I'm, I'm going to kind of just begin with you, some initial thoughts of what you thought of the film. I have to say, I think it completely works. It fits like a glove into the rest of the Marvel Universe. I think uh, casting is pitch perfect. I think it's it's more female-centric in the sense that movies that are written and directed by women, you could tell the same story, but when there's a female perspective, there are details, there are nuances, there are things that are paid attention to. And, you know, as I'm looking at the film, I'm saying to myself, we've seen superhero women before, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, right. remember? Uh, back from the, I believe it was the 80s. Right. Uh, she's, the, Supergirl's now on CBS. Right. Um, uh, Elektra with Jennifer Garner. I mean, yeah. we've seen this, but there's something special about Captain Marvel, man. It's, it's almost like the peak version of what female strength is. Well, you know, and what I liked about it is that it doesn't hit you over the head about that in any way. It's a lot of the little moments that ground it in reality uh, right. in terms of what the reality is of being a woman. And I have to assume they're just exploring it now because this is really an origin story. So she doesn't find her place uh She finds her place in the universe and it happens to be on Earth. So we only get mm. to touch upon earthly things right you know this, this so, whole like other universe universe yes um so while we're walking out of the theater uh towards the lobby um let's break it down how good was this because if you were to ask me okay jack just lay it down what was better wonder woman or captain marvel man 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 it's tough but i think captain marvel is a better movie 
Well, you know, that's interesting because uh, I'd have to think about uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, there were a lot of things I liked about it, but uh, this, I think what the Marvel Universe has as an advantage is it's a universe you're familiar with. And because they've been smart enough to go back and forth in time in all of the Marvel movies, you know, the universe is really well-constructed. And part of the joy is seeing how questions, as opposed to what they did with the Han Solo movie, questions you didn't know the answers to, but you actually were curious about, get Uh answered. And you go, okay, that's kind of cool. Right. And you see how... Now this person who's coming in now as the beginning of Phase 3 was significant before Phase 1. Brie Larson is uh, perfectly cast in this film. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I got a celebrity crush on her now, man. Seriously. She's so beautiful, but she's so strong. Self-assured. And self-assured. Completely. Self-assured down. And it's interesting that she's cast because in, as we've all know, you know, her, uh, her wanting there to be more diversity among critics like us, uh, has put her on the hot seat by conservatives, you know? So it's really interesting her being who she is, playing what she is, coming at this time. Oh, absolutely. Um, I also thought that the special effects were great. Um, The entertainment value and the entertainment factor was top-notch. Marvel has perfected the Marvel movie. I have to say, the more I'm listening to you and the more I'm thinking about the film now, because we're only 10 minutes out of it, uh, you know, what I like best about it is just how well it works into the context of not just the movies but where they're going because you, the action you talk about really is galactic action there's right. a lot of galactic <laughs> action there's not like two guys fighting their powers and destroying buildings this is galactic action so it also shows the direction of where they're going with phase three guardians of the galaxy you know alien invasions so that's so this is going to give it like yes. it's going to yes. get into the purity of what science fiction it's is. Much more science fiction. Yes, yes, it is. That's 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 what I'm enjoying. It's it's opening up the the potential that was always there, but it was smart to have done it the way they did. So to recap, uh, for for me, uh, Brie Larson was excellently cast. Mm-hmm. Entertainment value was top notch. Mm-hmm. While while they never uh, sacrificed good writing, good pop culture references from the 90s. The soundtrack, if you're a 90s head, this is the soundtrack for you. They had Garbage, I mean, uh, and Garbage meaning the band, band, band um, Hole, I mean, they went to Nirvana, I mean, it was great. I was was thinking that the gin blossoms were going to pop out of nowhere. (laughs) And um, so I was pretty, I was just amped up from the beginning and just I felt like the movie never let me down never gave me the 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 ability to do that and guys you gotta stay till the ending because there's two credits and by the way sometimes two post credit sequences sometimes they let you down Oh boy! No, this, this is one of the greatest it's, it's cherry, pose. Oh, this is the cherry on top, on top, man! It's a cherry on Stay top. Stay for the for all for of the them. They're fantastic. 
I, I, I concur. And it sets up Avengers Endgame. Oh, that's the big thing. It sets it up so well that, like, you're ready to just jump right in. Like, <laughs> you really don't want to wait. You're like, okay. Let's camp Avengers. out of the theater. It just yeah. went for Endgame, right? <laughs> right. So, but, you know, that's the other fun part. The other fun part is that, you know, I, I, I didn't go to those screenings they had last summer where they showed, like, all the Marvel movies over three days. Right. You know, which, you know, I wish I had time like that just to do. I have one friend who did it. And wow. it must be an amazing thing just to see that whole arc, that whole universe be controlled, be what it is. It's, it's pretty. That in itself, as I was watching this movie, I have to realize, though we're used to delving into universes, we've seen sequels to movies that have been done to death, you know, and reboots. But there's never been something that progresses like this. Like what Marvel movies are and doing, and they unite everything new, into yeah, this. It's it's a new it's 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 a phenomenon in movies right now, that that you know we're we're experiencing it. But I think when they look back, when it happens more in other, you know, film you know universes, this is the template. This is it, it's, it's the template. Oh man, I am so psyched about this. There was that courage, right? That never quit attitude of the film that has to be seen by. Uh, your daughters, your nieces, young girls, they should take schools to just go see films like this because... As you said, the empowerment, but not empowerment in the sense of in your face and, you know, you go girl, uh, but empowerment in the sense of, you know, day to day, like you're faced with a challenge. How do you rise to it? You know, what do you do? You know, what makes you... It's, I think it's less about being a woman than it is about being, you know, yourself, being owning your own power right well said and i think uh i don't think i can say anything after that my man (laughs) that was fantastic so here from the lincoln cinemas at amc lincoln square uh in new york city mike Sargent, jack rico this is our first reaction this war is just the beginning i'm not gonna fight your war i'm gonna end it And before I talk to Cheeky Baby, here are three land tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. No sé, Simena Saniñana featuring Girl Ultra. A-list, Doxamillion featuring Daramola. On top, este man. If you're Hispanic and live in LA, you've most likely heard or seen Stephanie Jimenez, or as many people know her, La Chiqui Baby. She's become a popular presence with Latinos in the City of Angels because of her radio career and her hosting duties on Telemundo's Acceso Total. Our interview happened a week before the announcement that she will be the new addition to Telemundo's national morning show, Un Nuevo Día, beginning March 18th. Hola, mis amores. Qué gusto saludarles. Elba, guapísima como siempre. Estás en Acceso Total y estas son las meras chidas con tu chiqui baby. So, um, I wanted to uh, start the podcast by telling uh, my listeners how, how we met. So, I was in L.A. Um, on a press tour uh, 
uh, to promote Consumer 101 and uh, Taller del Consumidor. So we wanted to do a bilingual thing and um, we had requested to be on the Telemundo LA station. So I, I've never been, I, I, I'm not an LA guy, so everything seems new to me there. <laughs> so we went to, uh, I believe it was the Hallmark Network, and then after that, we went to you. And then uh, we met for um, a segment that we did. But I had, ne- I had never met you. And then when yeah. you told me about your name, Cheeky Baby, I thought that was funny, but I was like, wait, no, that's your actual nickname. That's like, and you're like, and you kind of go, which one do you go by? Like, <laughs> is it Stephanie or is it Cheeky Baby? Like, who's become more of your identity? Uh, um, I don't know if to say if it's fortunately or unfortunately, but... You know, I always uh, present myself since the start of my career as Stephanie Jimenitis. That's my first name and last name. And then Cheeky Baby, because it was a nickname that um, I started with in, in the radio business. So I guess everybody in the Hispanic audience always remember the Cheeky Baby. So for over 15 years, I've been La Cheeky Baby. And it's very few people that know my name. <laughs> but do you, do, have you ever felt like you wanted to reclaim your name? I mean, you have a beautiful name. Yes. I think, um, I think at the beginning when I was doing radio, just radio, uh, it was convenient and it was, you know, I was more entertaining. Mm-hmm. But as long my career has been growing and, um, you know, I've matured and also I want to be taking more seriously and, and talk about, you know, have that versatility and do, do more uh, human interest stories or be more of a journalist. Of course, the Stephanie Humanitis needs to be the first thing. Um, right. So, yeah, I've, I've tried to bring it up to the table a little more, but they still call me Tiki Baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's interesting. Going from an entertainment journalist to a news reporter um, and for a reporter to actually be taken seriously because you did entertainment, something about Spanish language the market is once you do entertainment, you, you cannot really be taken seriously in the serious stuff, even though that it might not, you know, you might be more of a news junkie than you are in an entertainment person. Right. And why do you think that is? Why do you think sometimes it's hard to do the evolution from entertainment reporter to serious news reporter? I think it's uh, it's two things. I think it's the cultural part of, of, of it. That you know, we we segment uh, we we make things seg- segmentized, and the other part I think it's um it's about yourself. There it's not a, there's not a lot of people that are willing to do different things. Mm-hmm. Like um, I I I be you know I became a, a communicator because I started in radio. So when you say radio, radio is entertainment and and it's music. So when I started to do. Uh, TV, even though I studied the journalism career for four years, um, when I started doing TV, everybody wanted me to do music and entertainment because I had that personality. I was a cheeky baby. Um, <laughs> but but I think not a lot of people could switch it up. Uh, that's 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 a, a, a realistic thing. Not a lot of people could go from the serious to the fun. Be a chameleon. Serious. Right. Uh, Almost be a chameleon. Un camaleón. Un un camaleón en español. Um, I think I have that 
um, that attribute or ese, I mean, uh, that positivity in my, in my personality. Sí, la or, versatilidad. Or, la versatilidad that I think has given me that opportunity to keep growing. But I do believe that there's just certain standards in the Hispanic community that, oh, you are a news. You have to, if you want to be an anchor, you have to be a reporter first. And if you come from news, you don't, uh, you know, you, you if, if you come from entertainment, you can't do news. Uh, yeah. So there, there is still that, you know, stigma. Um, but I think things are changing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've never been afraid to explore and to little by little uh, show that, you know, that versatility that, that I could have. How did you get into the business? Well, I started, I started studying communications because I wanted to be a reporter for CNN. Basically, I was that your, like your dream since you were like a young little girl. Like, mom, I want to be on CNN. My dad used to watch every night when we (laughs) lived in Mexico, um, HLN. So headline news. Mm -hmm. So I remember it stuck to my head that reporting for CNN, Stephanie Himenitis, that was kind of like my dream thing. Wow. Um, so that's why I went into journalism. But in Mexico, you know, studying journalism, Jack, it was more of a MMC career. What is that Have you mean? ever heard of that term? No. What is that? MMC is um, mientras me caso <laughs> while I get married. And I know yeah, a placeholder, kind of, a placeholder just to kind of to like <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. And, it, and you know what? Uh, it's kind of true because in Mexico, you, I mean, it, it, you know, times have changed, uh, you know, but, you know, there was a, uh, when, when you were in certain status of uh, socially, if your parents have money, you would go to school in my era, but you would go to school just to have a degree, but you would not, you would not, uh, be, uh, a doctor or a lawyer. You, you was, you would just have the degree and then you would go get married and have kids. And, and because you have a good life and you, your husband will take care of it more of, you know, most of the people I know in my career, most of my friends are in that situation. Mm. Like they, they got married and have kids and they're very happy but they, they didn't really become journalists like like me. Like I, I'm a full core um, professionist. So what happened after you actually, after you graduated from 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 communication school? How, how what was the actual first big break to be in the media business? Was well, it in radio? Yeah. Well, that, that I think that's the key in my career. Uh, I started working in radio two years before I graduated. And wow. It was, it was basically a coincidence because they thought I had a It wasn't a coincidence. Voice. It was the beginning of destiny. <laughs> I know. But I never thought of this career like, you know, there were so so many ra- ra- ramas that you could go into. You know, could you could do movies, you could do yeah. PR and um in the communications uh, uh, uh degree or career. Um, but I, two years before I went, uh, my brother said, you know what? They're looking for a new voice on this radio station. And this radio station was the number one radio station in in Mexico, in Guadalajara. Where ¿Cómo I, se llama? I, uh, Super Estéreo. Super Estéreo, la radio pirata. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, cool. But, you know, in Mexico, it's like, who you know? It's not like here, you go online, you know, you submit your resume and in Mexico, it's like, who you know? How are you going to get there? You're not going to go knocking on the door. So 
um, one of my professors worked for that uh, for that company, not the radio station uh, in, in, in Precise. So I told him, you know what? They're, I heard this rumor that they're looking for this uh, new voice, and I would just like to go and see if I had the opportunity. So that was my first step. And oh. I went there. I, 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 he got me, um, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, an interview. Mm-hmm. But when I got to the interview, um, I never met anyone for the interview. I went directly into a studio to record, like uh, a casting. And, you know, that was the first time I learned that whenever you're made for something and you, if you are ready for something, if you're prepared for something and if you're made of to become someone, you'll do good. And that's the first time right. I knew. You had that an epiphany. Was, it was a moment of yeah. clarity, a, a radical clarity like, that just hit you. Okay. Like you knew that from this day moving forward, your life was going to be completely different. Correct. So two years before, you know, I had this gig, which which was a job, but I, I think I got paid like a hundred dollars uh, every two weeks. It was like nothing, but I was on the radio and I was a cool one. And that's all I that matters. A job. It's that adrenaline <laughs> rush, man. Come on. Um, but definitely, you know, now you know it's been over sixteen years that I've been doing radio, and it's been my, the pillar of my career. You know, I started in radio, and and I've uh, yeah, I still do radio. <laughs> Hey, what do you think about radio nowadays? It just seems like more people are poo-pooing on radio more than ever. And it's like, you know, the hot new thing is podcast, which it kind of is. But, you know, even podcasts are uh, sort of a, a, a retro throwback to to radio. Um, exactly. Wh- why do you think people are so down on radio? Or do you see it differently than most people? No, I, I, I do believe that radio has downsize. I think um, the problem is the way we've uh, taken radio too. Um, you know, I've been working, like I said, for 16 years and it, it has changed so much. You know, they, they don't let the, they don't let you as a personality evolve. They don't let you grow. They don't let you talk. Uh, so if they tell you, you're going to talk 10 seconds on top of the song, well, that's not really giving content to the listener who really connects with you. And I think that's why podcasts have been so uh, so exciting for everyone to to listen because they want to listen to the talent, right. the people that, that want to say something. So that's why now I have my own show, which is not precisely a podcast, but my show, it's a new way of um, putting radio out there. And, and I, what I create is content. I create content for my listeners and Un- unpack that for me so it's a syndicated radio show okay so take me through how this whole thing got built well well first of all uh, i have to say that i had a successful career in univision for over 14 years i worked for cvs radio i worked uh, for sbs radio um you know the most important companies in the radio business and i've learned that i i've always felt that i was not growing enough or mm-hmm. i i was limited so i had the opportunity with my husband which we work together in the business um to create my own show with my own rules I love this, this started like three years ago. So basically in the show, I try to give people what is trending information-wise. So I create capsules of two, uh, two minutes and, and I talk about everything. Gossip, entertainment, uh, politics, you know, in my own little way, 
of uh, informing people in, in not a very profound way or, or very deep. I'm not an expert in everything, but I just give my own point of view. And this content, which is six seg- six capsules an hour, are being put in a cloud. Oh, okay. So you don't have like a traditional morning show that you do a no. radio show that lasts four hours, you know, with sponsor breaks and everything else. You're creating audio content mm-hmm. that can then be distributed on radio platforms throughout the United States, either in English or in Spanish. Um, well, basically in Spanish, because I, I do everything in, in, in Spanish, but you put me like, let's say you are, you own a radio station and uh-huh. you want the show, the Cheeky Baby show. So basically you do get four, four or five hours of content that I that I make for you. But the difference is that you could put whatever music you want, whatever commercials you have to put on, and that differs in, in every other station around the nation. That started three years ago, and now we're in over 50 cities. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but definitely the key for this, it's to be constant. Because I've heard like a lot of uh, big, big personalities that want to syndicate their show. Um, and they do not put a, a lot of effort on all the stations around the nation, just on the Chicago one or New York one or L.A. one or Miami one. And with this format, you give love to everyone. Right. So it's been it's been pretty successful. And I feel free and I, and I feel that I could do and say what I want in my own radio show a little bit different than a podcast. But but I the, the key on this, uh, bringing back that thought it's the fact that um, you have to be disciplined. You have to record every day because if not, you lose, you know, you you lose authenticity and you lose uh, timing. You know, you have to be on top of what's trending. How did TV come into your world? Was that a natural thing that you were like, okay, whenever my career ends in radio, <laughs> I'm just going to go to TV. But everybody knows that getting into TV is damn hard. I know. Well, actually, Jack, I wanted to be in TV since, since day one. So you didn't but want I was... radio first. Radio no. just happened to be sort of like a like a like an. Who wants to be in radio? You want to be on TV. <laughs> Everybody wants to see, you know. You want everyone to see you and to tell your mom that you're on TV. Yeah, t- but TV is intimidating though at first. You know, it is, and, and it's not for everyone. But would you um, say you were I... born for TV or born for radio? Now that you've done both. I think I was born, I mean, I, I, I could say for both, but I think I, I was born to do TV. I, I really, I really enjoy it. Mm. Um, but that was my number one thing. Remember, I wanted to be a CNN reporter on TV. Yeah. Um, that's why I started my like internship in, in Televisa in Mexico. Um, What's that I place think- like? Is that it, everybody makes it seem like it's the pantheon of of television? There's this nostalgia and romance with that building. What is it I really know. like inside? Well, you know, the the Televisa that I worked was not in Mexico City. It was in Guadalajara, which it was. You know, it, it was not the the. You know, it's not was it was the not Mecca, the network right. in New York. Um, but I did feel, and I have to be really honest about this. I did feel that you needed to be pretty enough to be on TV. It was not all about the brains. It was not all about your being charismatic. It was all that you look good before anything else. And uh, if you knew someone, that would help a lot. And I didn't have those two by them, you know, at that point in my life. You know, I had 
probably I was I was not meeting the standards of beauty for them in that point. So when I did my internship, nobody even, you know, said you would be, would be good for TV. But I learned everything about TV. And my career actually in TV started way later. I think it started like um, maybe like three or four years later than I started my radio career. And and was how did you end up getting to Telemundo Acceso Total? Well, uh, you know, I started in, in Univision first, uh, and um, Telemundo has been recent, recently, uh, the last four years of my career, um, I, I started in Telemundo, my home, and, and which I'm really happy. But it really was because radio. Um, I was in Univision Radio, mm -hmm. and when I moved to, to work for another company, you know, now I had the opportunity to work with Telemundo, and I was, you know, I was seeing... Um, I was seeing everything that I was not seeing in Univision with Telemundo. You know, they were be, being more aggressive on progra programming. Mm -hmm. They were giving opportunities to people that were not giving opportunity before. So I, I said, you know what? I think I, I'm more of a uh, the Telemundo mission. Yeah. I think it goes with me. So when I was working um, in L.A. for a radio station morning show, um, the executives from Telemundo, which knew I was available to do TV now, offered me to be part of a, of a judging panel of a reality show. So I was one of the judges because I was a, you know, I was a TV personality slash radio personality. Right. You fit the bill. So I, I fit perfectly on that. So they invited me to be part of this show with Lucero, Luis Fonsi, um, <laughs> Olga Tañón, which was Yo Soy El Artista. And, I you know, remember that. that. I remember that show. Yeah. That, that was that was a three month uh, contract, and then after that, you know, I started, uh, you know, seeing or meeting a lot of people from the network, and then they said, "Oh, we want you to start collaborating with Unodia." So that was one. But then I'm in LA. I I need to have something more steady, you know, every you know every day. So um, I got the opportunity to start hosting Acceso Total in, in the morning for a half an hour entertainment show. So I've been doing that for three years That's already so crazy. with them. Tell me a little about your approach with social media, okay? You have a lot of followers, but they seem to be really engaged. What is your approach to the way you socialize on there? Well, you know, I think I in the media, in the Hispanic media, I think I was one of the first ones that was really, truly engaging or using Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram. So I've tried to be like um, always like on top of things or trying to be on the trends if 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 uh, mm -hmm. if it makes sense but honestly now with the bloggers and with the influencers and the YouTubers I can't keep up <laughs> I just do my best it's crazy <laughs> they've some, taken it to some, another level seriously I know I mean I don't I think I do a good job and I try to you know put good nice pictures and and you know I try to understand my my audience you know as much as I can you know I mean I want to show them a little bit of who I really am but also what they want to see because um you you know, uh, they you know they want to see what you wear. They want to see where you go and eat. They want to see what you do behind the scenes. So I try to give them a little bit of everything. Um, I don't. I'm not the kind of person that shares everything on on social media. Not so far. I want to keep uh, some things private, mm -hmm. but I show as much as I can with my personality, and that ha that has worked for a while. Uh, I don't know now what I have to do to get like 1.5 million. 
Um, <laughs> you know, the, some people take their clothes off. Some people uh, teach how to do matcha balls. I don't know. I need to see what's my next step. Do you feel that social media, to a certain extent, is another full-time job along with the job that you already have? Is it suffocating at some point where you just, you know what? What is all this for? Uh, I just want to quit. Ah, all all the time. I love it and I hate it. It's just, you know, it's tiring and it's stressful. It is. Sometimes I feel it's a little more stressful than your real job. <laughs> uh, because like us, for, for us women, it's more difficult. Oh, I don't have makeup on. Oh, the lighting is horrible. Oh my God, this outfit does not flatter So you're me. always on. You're always exactly, on. Exactly. And not that you want to be fake because I think it's not, it's not about that, but you want to look good for your audience. Um, so it is stressful. But I truly believe that there's going to be a point that, you know, it's going to be cool to quit Instagram or it's going to be cool to just be out of social media and enjoy your life. Uh, I'm, you know, going with the trend. Um, but I do think a little too much is a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. You can catch Stephanie on Telemundo. You're in what, like 30 markets now with Acceso Total? Yes, thank God. Thank you. Yeah, that is so awesome. And if somebody wants to listen to you on the radio, um, where do they go to? They go to any platform and look for El Show de Chiqui Baby. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And it was great meeting you and great talking to you. Thank you very much, Jack. I really admire your work. Thank you for representing us Latinos in both markets. And uh, I hope to see you soon so we could chat and have some coffee. Definitivamente. Muchísimas gracias. Adios. Adios. Bye. Bye. And that's it for episode 107 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Sebastián Lelio and Stephanie Jimenaitis along with Mike Sargent for coming on the show. And I hope you guys enjoyed the conversations as well. If you'd like to support the show, please spread the love on social media and pass the word to all of your friends. You can reach me on Instagram at Jack Rico and on Facebook at Jack Rico 40. Remember, it's only through your support that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.